Never has technology so dramatically changed humankind than in the last century. Some would argue in the last generation. This little rectangle in our pocket. Machines that wash our dishes for us. Thank you for that. And a universe of digital games to entertain us. But technology isn't just a pretty face. It poses innumerable opportunities for economic and social development. Advances in technology have been linked to increased levels of income, improved living conditions, and even a longer life expectancy. I'm Derek Burrows. We're about to discuss how diversity in technology benefits both individual lives and societies. We'll also learn how entrepreneurship and market-creating innovation results in economic growth and the important role TEST plays in driving this change. Uh, testing. One, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Why testing matters. This is a test. An original podcast from NI. This is only a test. Three, two, one, zero. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue. Technology encompasses everything, from the gadgets we use, to what we do on the internet, to the decisions politicians, marketers, and leaders make. And it's shaping our world in ways we might not see. If you're having trouble sleeping, your doctor may send you to a sleep lab that could cost you thousands of dollars to chart your sleep cycle. Or you could do the same thing at home, using a headband that wirelessly transmits your sleep data to your smartphone for under $100. That's one of the cost-saving technologies that may improve healthcare and help save lives. And reducing the cost of healthcare is important. For instance, our smartphones can monitor many of our vital signs from the comfort of our homes and do it more cheaply than our doctors. We can leverage our smartphones to not only increase access to healthcare, but use the devices to catch early signs of diseases. One app, called Cradle, uses artificial intelligence to find what's called white eye in children. This can be a sign of several serious eye diseases, including pediatric cataracts. To test the app, researchers analyzed more than 50,000 photos taken of 40 children. It's a way to harness the technology we have in a way that takes advantage of parents' existing fondness for taking photos of their kids, and helps doctors conduct thorough eye exams on babies that tend to wiggle around. Tools like Cradle offer hope of flagging diseases early and cutting the costs of exams and lab tests. That's not to say that artificial intelligence can replace physicians, but the combination of AI and clinical expertise may be able to help save lives. Organizations are using technology in truly innovative ways to help solve the many problems we face. But to keep up this momentum, innovation needs to be as accessible as possible. To find out how inclusion can drive innovation, I spoke with Ifosa Ojomo. And think about society, it has to include everybody in it. To those who have access to money, to skill, to connections, to solid networks, and those who don't. Ifosa is a senior research fellow at the Christensen Institute and co-author of The Prosperity Paradox, 
how innovation can lift nations out of poverty. Right. Um, now, in the emergence of any industry, most industries, what happens is the innovators, the inventors are often focused on the few people in society who have access. Take the automobile. Henry Ford started the Ford Motor Company at a time when cars were incredibly expensive. And at that very moment, as the workmen began to fasten the parts onto the slowly moving car, the assembly line was born, a technique that was to revolutionize mass production all over the world. Cars back then were luxury items to most people, like private jets are today. And the Ford Motor Company advertised their product to people with access to a lot of money. Now, when we think about testing and society, the connection there is our ability to democratize access to products, like a car. So imagine you were Henry Ford in the early 20th century with an expensive product that not many people could afford. What does this mean for the kind of infrastructure you need to build? The kinds of safety measures you implement? Most of the people buying cars back then were using them for joyriding, not necessarily relying on a car to get them from point A to point B. Now, it doesn't mean test is not important in that circumstance, but you can see how the minute you say, I'm going to take this product and democratize access, I want to make sure Bill, Joe, Sharon, Karen, whoever, who's not as wealthy, right, as somebody who can afford this expensive thing, I want to make sure they have access. So I want to sell, instead of selling 100, I want to sell 10,000, a million, 2 million a year. There's no way you can do that without test. Once Ford was able to democratize access, it became mainstream to own a car in the United States. Millions of jobs were created, not just within the automobile industry, but other industries too. Now we can build roads. School attendance went up because people had reliable transportation and healthcare became more accessible. The key to making all these things possible, it's sort of an, a subtle and invisible activity that had to happen, was making sure all those cars were tested, making sure that you could have a million cars that were sold and there were few defects so that it didn't kill the business and kill a bunch of people in the process as well. And so test is something that I, I will admit, it doesn't come up as, oh, it's the sexiest part of the engineering process. But the minute you begin to see test in an entirely different way, right, if we were not able to, and if we are not able to test products to verify, validate certain things, oh my gosh, the ability to create access for the millions and, and really billions is fascinating. The democratization of technology means taking it from a very expensive item for the few and making it cheaper for the many. And test can help bring those costs down. Before a company can scale something, a process or a product, they have to make sure that they test it first to make sure there aren't any issues. Test is a critical piece of getting a product out on the market, especially if the goal is to get it out to the average person on the street. They have to be in a position to use it in a way they can be confident in because they may not have the money to buy it again. And if the product fails early, that can doom that innovation for years and make it difficult to get off the ground. One early example of this is the first traffic lights. 
That's how some traffic lights sound today. But when they were first invented back in the 1860s in London, they were gas operational. In less than a month after the first traffic lights were introduced, a traffic light exploded and injured a police officer who was operating it. Because of this incident, they mostly stopped installing traffic lights until they were automated, around 1910. That's a good 50-year gap on innovation that probably could have helped a lot of people. Another important aspect of getting a technology off the ground is infrastructure testing. Infrastructure is one of those things that is very difficult for societies to develop uh, without thinking about the interplay between innovations and infrastructure. What you have in infrastructure is essentially the most efficient way or the most efficient mechanism society private sector, public sector, the most efficient way society has figured out how to distribute or store value. And so if you think about any infrastructure, infrastructure isn't just like bridges and like roads and power plants. Infrastructure at the granular level is the most efficient way society has figured out to store or distribute value. And so even when you start thinking about schools and universities, if you look at the history and how things become an infrastructure, it often starts with an innovator trying to figure out how can I store this thing or distribute this thing? And then they figure out an efficient way. And oh my gosh, it's like, wow, we can scale this and look at the impact it can make, whether it's rail, road, and so on. And so in terms of testing infrastructure and continually testing infrastructure because of the nature of what it is, it is absolutely necessary. We can't get away from testing infrastructure because everyone uses it, regardless of income. It's the ultimate innovation that creates access. A bridge falling down might cut off an entire chunk of the population from their jobs or the resources they need to get by. We can think about the role test plays in democratizing technology by thinking less about what people are buying the product for and focus instead on how the product will perform in different environments. Things like temperature testing, vibration, and drop testing. These are known as validation tests, and they validate a new design for a new market. Then, when we want to scale a product and get it to market as quickly as possible, that's where we would employ a different kind of testing. That's called production testing, where you check key aspects of your product on the production line. This kind of testing, depending on the industry, may not be as rigorous as validation, mainly because we're constructing the product in the same way we did in the original validation test. Production test is more to find out if the product will perform in the way that's predicted. Meeting those predictions can be difficult if you're testing the product in a place with one climate and it's supposed to serve people in another. There's a company I love called Butterfly Network. They take ultrasounds in some of the most remote parts of the world. But traditional ultrasound machines found in hospitals in, say, the U.S., are these hefty boxes that are extremely fragile. They created a device that's battery-powered and uses microchips, making it lightweight, portable, and more durable. Being battery-powered was important because many parts of the world don't have easy access to electricity. The products I use from my home in Boston or my office I can almost guarantee there's going to be access to electricity 
And so I don't worry about surge protection. Maybe companies can test rigorously for that, but it's something that most people wouldn't experience. But the minute you go and, and start serving customers in many other parts of the world where electricity is not as reliable, it's not constant, you could lose power and then all of a sudden gain it back and there's a huge surge, you have to test your products to make sure that they can withstand that surge. If companies are only serving the wealthiest people, they don't need to think about access to electricity and battery life. But the moment a company wants to democratize or make their product available to the average person, then they have to test for this. One example of this is Toyota. The car company started in Japan, but then in the 1960s, they started selling the same cars in the US. But the fact is the Toyota Celica ST is an economy car. But there was a problem. The road quality was different, and the way Americans used their cars was different, like going on long drives. So Toyota had to go back and test their cars to make sure people could drive them for hours straight without any problems. It wasn't until they did that that they were successful in the U.S. Adapting to different cultures and different parts of the world can lead to some of the most interesting innovations we've seen in modern technology. Why do we test, right? We test to understand, to understand phenomena, to understand limits, to understand whether our assumptions are correct or not. Once we appreciate why we test, the question then becomes, what happens on the other side of test? On the other side of test, you get a, yes, your assumptions were correct, you're good to go. Or you get a, oh man, your assumptions didn't quite it didn't quite work. Here are the results. Now, this is now where innovation is a choice, right? It's what do we now do with those results? Do we improve the product? Do we go back and say, oh, these were the assumptions I baked into this. Not quite right. I'm going to go and, and make some corrections. It's that process that is actually innovation. Now, we define innovation as a change in the process by which we convert inputs of lower value into outputs of higher value. You always want the value to be higher on the other side. <laughs> so innovation, it's a change in the process by which you convert, transform inputs of lower value into outputs of higher value. And so there's almost no way you get at real good innovation if you don't test to get some kind of result, right? That said, oh, did this process get me lower value to higher value? If it did not, or if the value is not as high, okay, what do I need to do, right? And, and you get that from testing. You know, testing can be seen as, well, let's just make sure this product works, or it can be a critical input in the innovation equation in, in many companies. But not all innovations are created equal. The value of innovation lies in its ability to democratize access. How can we democratize access? Most people have a computer in their pockets. But just a few decades ago, that was not the case. Computers cost millions of dollars, filled rooms, and needed highly skilled teams to operate them. Back then, only a handful of companies around the world had the need and the means to access a computer. But today, we've democratized access, first via the personal computer and then the smartphone. It took innovation to make computers affordable and accessible to more people. 
it's a good scheme for managers to step back and think about their innovation activity. What are my engineers, product designers, marketers, like what are they working on? Are they working on a product that will really democratize access, make this thing affordable and accessible to many more people? Are they working on sustaining innovations or are they working on improving efficiencies? But the impact of test goes beyond any individual company or products. Test can affect a country's quality of life and can help ease the effects of poverty. If you look at the most prosperous countries, you'll find a vibrant business sector that thrives on innovation. Many businesses are trying to increase access to their products, which in turn creates more jobs for people. You cannot do that without tests. Again, it's sort of like a subtle, invisible activity, but absolutely critical when it comes to not just lifting nations out of poverty, but really getting them on a path to where you can begin to create widespread prosperity for the billions of people in the world who today struggle. You cannot get to prosperity without going through test. Technology may be one of the most effective solutions to poverty. We know technology can reduce the cost of production and increase the profit margin. Technology can open doors to new opportunities to do business or work and increase people's household incomes. Technology is about accelerating the positive impact we can make and test is about refining those solutions. That's Matt Stevenson. He's the CEO and co-founder of Code to College. The nonprofit helps minority and low-income high school students excel in STEM careers. Time and time again, research has shown that diversity is beneficial to societies and to the world. Different perspectives help us avoid groupthink and, importantly, help us build and test better products. A lack of diverse outlooks can result in products that don't meet the needs of the people who use them. If we have a, a really homogenous pool of data that we're sourcing from to create products, they're going to be crap products. Or another way to think of it is that they're going to be products that only serve one demographic or one part of the population. A perfect example of that is the other day I was thinking about the fact that, you know, I'm a black man, scale of one to 10, my complexion is probably like an eight on the darkness scale. And I didn't realize growing up that band-aids are supposed to be skin color. <laughs> I always thought to myself, like, this is a really weird color. And then especially when you're really young and you're getting hurt a lot, you got a bunch of these pale colored things all over your body. It's just, it doesn't look great. And then all of a sudden Band-Aid comes out with darker skin toned band. I was like, this is a thing. I think diversity is, is critical for innovation. And, you know, I don't know that people with darker skin tones were buying any fewer bandages as a result of the skin tones, but I do think that's a design flaw right there. And I think that that happens a lot. History tells us that when trying to solve complex problems, solutions often result from diverse perspectives. The scientists, the engineers, they're the ones who get to decide what's important and what should be researched. These decisions ultimately determine what a society views as truth. A major issue in STEM fields is implicit bias, or as it's sometimes called, unconscious bias, making its way into algorithms and machine learning. There are some biases and prejudices that we carry with us and sometimes spring up when we least expect it. And we're automating weapons of math destruction 
because human error is being encoded into algorithms that lead to inequality. Matt says one way to mitigate this kind of bias is to hire diverse professionals who can recognize the flaws designed by technologists. His organization, Code to College, is providing coding education, professional skills, STEM industry exposure, and mentorship, as well as paid summer internships to students who are primarily underrepresented minorities. You cannot walk on a college campus day one and say, I think I want to major in CS. No, <laughs> like it's, it's far too late in the same way that you can't say that about electrical engineering or I mean, there are just so many prerequisites and, and preparatory experiences even that you needed to make that decision beforehand. And so through our program, we've developed five and, and have two more in development right now curricula that are project-based and that help students to really start to develop these skills and the education exposure. You know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. You and I, Derek, probably stumbled upon a number of professional skills. Like your first resume was probably crap. And that's not a personal attack. <laughs> Mine was too. <laughs> I, and I mean, it's just a really interesting thing. Like I'm going to summarize everything that I've done for the last X amount of years on a piece of paper. And you only get better through iteration. And so we try to give our students what are called as many at-bats as possible. So we introduce them to it early and then we have them practice and refine it. And then year after year, by the time they graduate from high school, they've got a really solid resume for someone who's just entering college. Same thing with interview skills. We do a ton of practice with the volunteers who work with us. And then on the other side of that exposure, how would you ever know that you'd want to become an electrical engineer or even a test engineer if you'd never heard of the industry, let alone met someone who was in that role? We have students mentored by these STEM industry professionals. We host case competitions, which several of our volunteers have said, these feel like business school level case competitions where they're being introduced to these industries like private equity and test engineering and semiconductors so that they can really get their hands dirty and find out what is it like to be a test engineer and, and why is this so important? I studied mechanical engineering and learned in my second year that I did not want to be a mechanical engineer. I thought mechanical engineering would be all Iron Man suits, robotics, living the Tony Stark life. My expectations were not at all aligned with the real world because I learned how to choose my degree from watching Marvel movies. That maybe was a mistake. So many of us make important life decisions because of what we're exposed to, what we're drawn to. Even Matt chose to attend the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania because the year he was applying, the Phillies won the World Series. This seems to happen, especially when we're young, when we're looking for signs from the universe. So I am glad that Matt is helping young people make informed decisions that aren't exclusively based on pop culture. I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the experience part of that and exposing young people to these different industries. Why do you think learning about the importance of test matters to young people? Why do you think it's important that they know about this kind of sub-industry that they might not have been exposed to? Yeah, I think test is important because I know that we had talked about the fact that with testing, 
you're able to refine the wonderful design that the product people have developed. But I, I also think that there's this other deeper level aspect of understanding just fundamentally that it is about the seeking truth. Science is not a fact. It is the, the pursuit of the truth. And so when you hear that physicians or other scientists have put something forth and you say, well, no, no, this was actually quite wrong. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's because we will never hit the destination. It's a journey. And people generally want clarity and to know just what is it. And it can feel very uncomfortable seeking something that seems like you'll never get there. I think with tests, I don't think you'll never get there, but you were getting quite close. In our education system, there is a focus on perfection, which is very different from learning and applying the material. Matt says perfection and excellence are two different things. Perfection is impossible, but excellence is something we can all reach. And I can't disagree. Failure for a test engineer is not failure. It's a learning opportunity. Failure is necessary and important. There are very few cases in recorded history of an engineer's first design being the one that goes to market. That's not because engineers aren't smart. It's because the first idea can always be improved on. A diverse workforce is important to develop solutions that serve all people. And by providing technical education and experience, Code to College is essential to making that happen. It's inspiring to hear how people like Matt and Ifosa bring together the people, ideas, and technology to take on humanity's biggest challenges. Maybe we can save the world. We'll take it one test at a time. I'm Derek Burrows. Testing 123 is an original podcast from NI with Derek Burrows. To find out more, visit our webpage at ni.com slash perspectives.